This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe yeah. some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath. I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. And we are actually going to talk about weight loss today. This is a topic that we, in over a year now of doing podcasts, have avoided a specific weight loss episode. I think because Judy and I really try to focus more on health and weight loss is not really the goal of carnivore necessarily. Obviously, I've lost a lot of weight and carnivore was a huge part of that. And so I get questions about that every day. Um, we, so we want to talk about it. There's a lot of nuance with this. So we're going to have a, a discussion, give you some ideas and tips and tricks. We don't want you to try to mirror what we're saying. There's like no one answer for anybody. Um, and I think, you know, it's part of the reason why we have avoided a specific weight loss episode for a while. So before you talk about that, like we realize healing is the number one goal and health is the number one goal, which is why we haven't done something like this before. But Obviously, it's the number one question most of the time is yes. how do I lose weight and why am I not losing weight? And so it's, I mean, Judy, it's like, it's worth talking about, I guess, at this point. Yeah. No, and you're right. I mean, even though I always say I'm not a weight loss coach, if your number one goal is to lose weight, you don't want to work with me. And even with all of those disclaimers, I will still get people that want to work with me and they, Later, we'll say weight, weight loss is a priority of theirs. So, I mean, I get it. If you have、um, excess weight on you, it could be a sign of less than ideal health. And so, I, I get it. But sometimes it's just when it veers towards wanting to be super thin or celebrity thin, that's when I'm not the biggest fan. But,、um, but I get it. Trust me, it's from my past, I get it.
Yeah. And we don't want to try to continue to put a lot of disclaimers within this episode. So we're just going to kind of say overall, like this is for people who are obese. They have excess weight to lose. Like this is for, you've already done the root cause. You've fixed some of the healing, you know, you're looking into your health. Like it is, it would be healthy if you lost weight. Those are the people that we're talking about. Like if for your health, you need to lose excess fat. This is the type of person that we're talking about. And so I think saying that now, and then now we can just get into talking about weight loss and then (laughs) we don't have to keep mentioning like who it should be for. Right. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. Yeah. I think that's important. So I think the other thing that's hard is that people want a, what are the top three steps to lose weight? Like give me a top 10 model plan. It's why coaching groups are so popular or like meal plans. That's why things like South Beach diet and Weight Watchers and like people want answers. They want simple, specifics, how-to plans. I mean, just look at Weight Watchers is I can eat whatever I want as long as it doesn't hit this number of points. And like, that's super simple and clear and understandable. And South Beach is like, you get these little containers and eat only in these container sizes at this time of day and you will lose weight. Even keto gives you exact ratios and more specific metrics that make it easier. Um, And I think because carnivore is not marketed as this like weight loss diet, there's not really the same. Here's your five steps on how to lose weight on carnivore. I mean, I do think carnivore is uh, marketed as weight loss or it's the effects of trying a carnivore diet, right? If you think about Joe Rogan, he said he lost weight. That's always one of the first things a lot of people lose water weight, especially if they're doing the standard American diet. I mean, I do. That's what I, that's why I'm here, right? Is I talk about my weight loss and like, that's like, that's my message for sure is that it is a weight loss tool. There are some people that have tried to maybe put parameters or steps to lose weight and Um, I think some of that has been eat a certain amount of meat a day, but I think it goes back to whatever has worked in the past with other diets in terms of maybe understanding macros, understanding calories, um, and then understanding that if you eat an excess of calories, you will gain weight. And it doesn't matter if there is no carbs in the diet, you can still gain weight. If you are needing to lose weight, then I do recommend actually considering your macros in the beginning. An account named Critical Carnivore has a macro calculator for carnivores where you can just sort of figure out how many grams of protein and how many grams of fat you want to eat. So that is something you may want to consider if you're under eating for such a long time, it won't be ideal for thyroids and hormone. If you're overeating, that's probably why also you're not losing weight. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest fears that people have when they're starting carnivore is that there is this generalization, I guess, is that you will gain weight when you start carnivore. And I think that it's unfortunate because if you are overweight, especially overweight from eating carbs and sugar in a standard American diet, like you shouldn't be gaining weight when you start carnivore. Um, And obviously that's a generalization, but there, if you have a hundred pounds to lose and you cut out the standard junk food processed food diet and you instantly go carnivore, there is zero reason why you should be gaining weight. And it is likely because you're eating too much, eating too often, uh, and there's other factors involved. The people who are gaining weight are under more malnourished and there, you know, there are a lot of other factors, but just yeah. your average obese person who needs to lose a lot of weight should not be gaining weight. Um, this idea of like eat as much as you want whenever you're hungry and stop when you're full would personally cause me to overeat and I would easily gain weight. I don't have these signals in my brain that tell me when I'm full and I could eat 
till I'm Thanksgiving stuffed at 10 in the morning. And then I could do it again at four in the afternoon. Like there's just not this mechanism in my head that's going to naturally regulate my food. And so there is, and the suggestion that I have at first, like if you're coming from a standard American diet, the very first time you do it, you should eat to quench the cravings, right? You should eat as much as you need to, to not eat ice cream. If you need to eat bacon and these types of things, and, and you do eat in excess, so that you're not eating the processed foods, like that's step one. If we're going to put steps in place to this on how to lose weight on carnivore, step one is stop eating junk and processed foods and carbs and sugar of any kind. And the first thing you have to do is really just eat as much as you need to in order to get off of kind of get through those cravings. And then the next step would be regulating amounts and times. But that idea of just like binge as much as you need to, it shouldn't be this forced thing. It should be like you're sitting on the couch at eight o'clock at night. You know, you're not hungry, but you really want ice cream. And so you go to the kitchen and you make a burger patty or you make some eggs or you make some bacon. Like that's helping you. That's the bridge that we've talked about in previous episodes. A lot of people find carnivore because keto isn't fully working. And I think a lot of people lose weight on keto because they came from the standard American diet. And then they're all of a sudden eating so much fat that they were never used to. You are required to eat a lot less protein um, on the original ketogenic diets. And so you're eating less protein, you're eating a lot of fat. So it's hard to really consume a lot. And most people then lose a lot of weight on keto. And that's their first stint at eating a low carbish diet. And the same thing happened to me. And so when I went to carnivore, I gained weight because I didn't know that I was under eating on keto because I wasn't eating enough protein and I was plant-based and so on and so forth. To point out to that, to add that you were not an obese person, right? Like, so again, I want to point that out. If you have been doing keto for a while and maybe you have been under eating, but you still, I mean, there's this balance of like how much weight you have to lose and and what does that look like? So, sorry. So I have clients too that they'll say, I lost 50 pounds on my first year of keto, but then I went carnivore and I plateaued. And I think it always goes back to when I talk about what they were eating during keto, it's because for that year they were under eating. And so that's where I think that the blame ends up shifting to carnivore where you're finally eating sufficiently, maybe the one, two pounds of meat. And then when you start eating that, when you had been under eating for a year on keto, then people start or not maybe gaining weight, but they plateau. And then they say carnivore does not help for weight loss. And I think that's where some of it stems from. Yeah, the low protein for sure. And I I even talked about my experiences in the past where you're really just way under eating protein to be healthy. And so that is very frustrating. And so what can you do to lose weight on carnivore, right? Some generalizations, again, as we're mentioning. Um, And I think there's a couple different levers that you can pull. And first and foremost, you have to be consistent. And that really comes down to when anytime, you know, i if you're eating carnivore six and a half days a week, 90% of the time, but Friday night's your cheat night and you have chips and salsa and some ice cream and a margarita on a Friday night, well, you've now just kind of kicked yourself out of ketosis. You've kicked yourself out of fat burning mode. You've now added inflammation. You've, uh, you're holding a bunch of water weight and it's going to take your body some time to adjust. And while you don't necessarily have to be in ketosis all the time with carnivore, it still does work in the same way of like, now your body has to like work out all that stuff that it was dealing with for several days. And then by the time it gets back into like primo fat burning mode again, 
uh, you now have then it's Friday night again, and you're doing the same thing again. And so, you know, having these like small cheats occasionally, having a glass of wine, which is like even low carb wines, is still a lot of sugar. And that's, a, I'll get into alcohol in a little while, but like just having s- small occasional cheats has huge ramifications, Yes, uh, especially when it comes to weight loss, because for healing, maybe it doesn't matter. I have a friend who's like at a normal weight and she does like a, she eats pretty strict carnivore during the week and she eats what she wants on the weekends because for her health and her digestion, like that balance works for her. I would gain 50 pounds doing that if I could eat whatever I wanted on the weekends or even one day a week. First of all, mentally, I can't handle it. But also just from a pure weight loss perspective, I could never lose weight and I would be gaining lots of weight by having small occasional cheats. Right. I mean, you're essentially stimulating that whole insulin resistance um, cycle again and again, whenever you bring back carbs and the danger becomes now that you're also eating higher fat, it's just not ideal. You're using two different um, energy sources and that basically triggers the Randall cycle. The Randall cycle essentially is that if you're eating fat and carbs combined, I mean, we talked about this in our Q and a the last time, but it's just not an ideal mix because your body cannot tap into both well, and then that's what will trigger insulin resistance. You don't want to be mixing carbs and fat. And if you're eating carnivore, like Laura said, for six days, and then on one day you go full heavy on carbohydrates, there is an impact on your way of eating. And I also interviewed a specialist, Menno Henselmas, and he said that we think that one day of binging is not that bad, but there are studies that show that it's actually better to eat a little bit. So if you decide to eat carbs, it's almost better to eat a little bit every single day rather than have the five days of carbs you didn't have and have just one day of a binge. It's far worse for your body because your body cannot utilize it as well as if you had just taken a little bit every day. And like people look at, you know, in the bodybuilding world or in the calories in calories out, like we, and I agree calories matter. And I do think that's a part yeah. of the problem. Like people on carnivore are either often way under eating because of the satiety and they can't really eat a lot in one sitting. So a lot of people, especially women are under eating. And then the other camp of people like really can overeat, like you're eating this high fatty meat and you're eating multiple times a day. Well, then when you look at the sum of your day, like calories still matter. But in this like bodybuilding calories in calories out world, they're looking at the sum total of calories for the week. And you have this cheat day and like, well, I'm still balanced on my calories for the week. And if all you're focusing on is calories, then that might be fine. But when you're switching from high fat to no fat to carbs to sugar, and like like you said, your fuel sources of like burning fat versus burning sugar, you've completely ruined that entire cycle. And it doesn't, yes, the calories matter, but like you've almost made it way worse because you're changing up your fuel source in the middle of that. Uh, and so it is, it does have more to do than just calories when you're not consistent. Yes. Yes. I think the other thing, so it's like definitely adjusting consistency has to be number one, has to be. If you're not, if you just really can't find yourself being consistent like that, like that's a, go listen to the episode we did with Dr. Sives or like address the mental side of things. But from a weight loss perspective, physically, like you have to be consistent in order for this to work. After you've been consistent, then there's a couple things that you can evaluate and that's how much are you eating and how often are you eating? And for me personally, how often am I eating is way easier to regulate with weight loss, especially than how much am I eating? I can't really control how much I'm eating personally. And so for me, adjusting how often I'm eating 
is very easy to do. And the number one thing that I think anybody needs to do when they're trying to lose weight on carnivore is cut out hundred percent of snacking. Like it's gone. Yes. No snacking whatsoever um, at all. I noticed for myself, whenever I cut out all the snacks, and when I say snacks, I mean pork rinds, the beef jerkies, cheese, and things that are away from your meal. And and you just think, oh, they're carnivore or they're in the meat um, animal kingdom and it's okay. But I notice that, or I'll gain a little bit of weight. I can just tell it with my pants being tighter. And if I don't do that and I, I stick to just meat only two meals a day, I, I notice that I lean out. So yeah, it's a huge thing. I think it affects two things. It affects your appetite or it affects the biggest yes. thing is obviously it's way more calories than you need. And you, it adds up very quickly. Like one square of Tillamook sharp cheddar cheese is like 120 calories. I could eat a lot of those in a day, uh, just having them, you know, spread out throughout the day. That's really easy for me to do. The other thing is that it drastically affects your appetite. And so if you find like meat doesn't sound good to me, I'm not hungry at my meals, I can't really eat a lot. So you don't eat a lot of lunch, you having an afternoon snack, well, then dinner doesn't meet a big, huge hunk of meat doesn't really sound good for dinner. I would almost blame that on the snacking, like snacking or meal meat at my meals doesn't really sound good to me. If I've been having a bunch of snacks throughout the day, I just don't really have an appetite for like a big piece of meat. And so I think that's kind of the two damages that snacking does is yes, the excess calories and then also the appetite change. And I don't know if you can even say two more, but it's that insulin spike. It's then you're really not yeah. ever giving your body a break um, from that up and down of a sugar rush. You can have an insulin trigger even if you're eating just meat and protein. And that is why a ketogenic diet, they recommend lower protein because there is an insulin spike. And so if you're eating a lot of lean meats, um, you'll have much more insulin spikes, which will then make you hungry. The other thing I would say, and I'm sure people are going to hate me for this, but is with the snacking, I think that also includes cream. A lot of people yeah. with their morning coffee, they love adding cream and we think, well, fat is good for us. But most heavy creams are very processed, they're pasteurized, and there's a tiny bit of carbs, but a half a cup of heavy cream, which a good amount of people will use, but it's 400 calories. And so if people think they're still fasting, and then there's people that use heavy cream throughout the day. So I, I think that's a big one that I would honestly recommend people cutting. Yeah, that's too, it, the same thing as the snacking. It adds up in the calorie standpoint and it also keeps you from having that fasting window or it, um, I think it can affect people's appetite as well because then they're not really hungry for lunch because they've yes. been like sucking down calories all morning. Uh, I think that's probably, there's probably a better way to describe that, but drinking calories all morning. So your body's not really in a place where it needs proper fuel um, by the time you get to lunch. I had a client that would say, I fast all day long. I cannot lose weight on carnivore. I do one meal a day and I am not losing any weight. And we did her macros. And so all day long, she was sipping on heavy cream coffee until her one meal. And when we saw how, how many calories she was getting from that heavy cream coffee, it was a lot. I think it was close to 800 calories. And it was like, no wonder I'm not losing weight. And the other thing that I don't like about heavy cream is because it's high fat, a lot of people will use that as their fat source and say, I am 80% fat or I am 75% fat. But I do think dairy is a little bit more insulogenic. I don't think it raises your ketones as much. And 
there is a difference in fat from uh, butter versus if you get it from heavy cream, which I think, again, is very pasteurized and processed. A lot of them are homogenized. I think it's better if you get your fat from the meats. And if you can't tolerate fatty cuts of meat like ribeye and pork belly or bacon, then maybe butter. But I don't think having heavy cream and half and half are the best way to get fat. Yeah. And I think it definitely I do think it's a it's one of the biggest problems that people have um, when it comes to weight loss stalls is is that exact thing is too much heavy cream uh, yes. within their day. And kind of along those lines, it's like regulating your meal time. And I think for weight loss, uh, there's exceptions to this, but most people need to be eating two meals a day uh, when you're trying to lose weight. I think that I was the one of the exceptions to that. There's exceptions, people who've had uh, stomach surgeries and things, maybe they need to be eating three meals a day and you know, you need to make sure you're eating an adequate amount. For women, most women cannot eat enough in one sitting to be able to do OMAD, which is one right. meal a day. I was one of those exceptions because I was coming from straight from a standard American diet and I was eating, I could eat a lot of volume in one sitting that I was getting adequate enough calories for a while in the beginning, like the first nine months or so I was getting adequate calories in one sitting for that to be enough for me for the entire day. Lately, I can't eat that much in one sitting anymore. I get full too fast. And so I even now need to be doing two meals a day, but, uh, it's a very rare person that needs to be eating more than two meals a day and cutting down to just two meals, honestly, as close together as possible. You know, I would start out originally at like eating at 11 and 5 PM. And then the next thing you know, it was like 12 and 4 PM, like kind of working my way down to trying to have, then it, I think eventually I ended up eating at like 10 AM and 2 PM for a long time when I was doing um, weight loss and, and having those two meals, slightly close together, not, not a breakfast and dinner is kind of my point, but having like a breakfast and lunch or a lunch and dinner, um, and, and really sticking to those exact two meals, not eating all the way in between them, but having two very specific meals semi close together is, um, ideal first step for weight loss and, and intermittent fasting. Yeah, I agree. I think if you do the two meals right next to each other, so breakfast, lunch, lunch, or dinner, then you end up fasting about at least 16 hours, but sometimes it's 18 hours and it's pretty good. And if you aren't snacking in between, you probably won't be that hungry for the second meal. And so one meal will typically be larger than the other. Some people, if they break their, even their intermittent fast with a larger meal, they won't feel as well. So then they'll do the smaller meal, kind of wake up the appetite, and then their second meal will be larger. These things, it'll really depend on the person. But I am a fan of two meals a day. And depending again on circumstances, maybe it's three small meals or four or five if you are new to this and you don't have a gallbladder or something like that. Because every time you eat, it's putting uh, stress on your digestive system. And if you only eat one time, and let's say you don't have enough hydrochloric acid, and you don't take digestive enzymes, well, you only have one time then to absorb your nutrients. So ideally, you want to eat several times to get several times of allowing your digestive system to have the chance to absorb nutrients. And also, it's just less stress on the body of here's all this food that's coming into your system. Now make sure to um, have the best digestive process there to be able to break down and absorb and then utilize all these nutrients coming in. And most people that come to carnivore do not have that type of digestive system. Right. And I think 
most people to like, rather than trying to force yourself to eat one large meal a day, uh, every day, and then add fasting on top of it, I think having, you know, a good routine of two meals a day, uh, and then adding fasting on top of it. And we are not going to discuss all the nuance that goes into fasting. We just did an entire episode on that. Yes. So I'm just going to talk about fasting for weight loss. And obviously that may not apply to a lot of people, but go listen to that other episode. Um, I would recommend doing two meals a day, but then add a 24 hour fast occasionally. Lunch to lunch is a really easy 24 hour fast where you're eating lunch on one day, you skip dinner and you skip breakfast and then boom, you've just had 24 hours, but you don't have to do that every single day if you're not able to eat enough in one sitting. My husband still to this day can eat enough in one sitting where he prefers to do one meal a day because he can sit down and eat a massive amount of food in one sitting. Mm. Um, it's just not something that most people can do. I think that first step is doing that 24 hour fast for weight loss. Maybe then you work it out to a 36 hours. Uh, and then depending on where you are in your journey, I really truly do think an occasional 48 hour fast when you are in a good place for that is the best tool for weight loss. For my weight loss journey, personally, I have not seen a lot of benefit in going beyond 48 hours. And I also have not seen benefit in doing them too often. And so go listen to that other episode, but a well-placed 48-hour fast when you're in a good place for it is a really powerful tool for weight loss. I agree. And I'm not going to add much more to that since we did a very long episode on fasting. But I do think fasting has a lot of benefits and including if you want to lose weight. I know that one thing that people do struggle with is let's say they track their macros and they'll do that with me because I'm just trying to understand if they have thyroid imbalances, if they're losing their hair, they're stalling in their weight, what are they eating every single day? They're struggling with all of these things. And a lot of people I'll find is that either they're eating a lot of the heavy cream, they're eating a lot of processed um, dairy as their fats, and maybe that's causing them to stall in their weight. And then sometimes it's that they're under eating. I have a lot of older women clients that under eat. So they say they eat maybe six ounces in one meal. And they say it's so difficult to eat much more than that. And so they're consistently under eating. And when I ask them to maybe eat 1700 calories, 1800 calories, there's a good amount of people that say they gain weight just from that. And I think it's because they've been under eating for most of their lives. And then when they start eating a sufficient amount, they will naturally gain a little bit of weight. And again, these probably aren't the people that are very, very obese. For these people, they may have to do something like reverse dieting or allow that they gain weight for a while. And maybe they have to eat a little bit more. So if their maintenance weight is at 1700, or we want to get them to 1700 or 1800 calories, to have a good metabolic health function where their thyroid is good, they're sleeping through the night, normal stools, et cetera. But in order to get there, the, some people need to a- actually eat more. So maybe they have to end up eating 2000 calories every single day. And that's that whole reverse dieting where essentially you have to speed up your metabolism, get it used to eating about 2000 calories. And then you could cut back down to the calories that you're supposed to eat, which is about 1718 for normal hormone function and thyroid function, but a lot of women do not want to do it. Yeah. It's really hard. I know my mom will tell me yeah. like, you know, when I'm kind of evaluating with her, like what she's eating and what she's doing, she's like, well, I had a burger patty and it had cheese and bacon on it. And I'm so full. And that was her only meal for the day. Well, that's like 12 ounces of ground beef and uh, cheese and bacon. And maybe she had an extra side of bacon or something like that's just 
it's just nowhere near enough for her. And it definitely has caused her uh, some issues over the years. And so we try to adjust, but that's a big part of it. Like you have to know you can leverage the, uh, how often you eat biggest thing of, of weight loss, but knowing how much you're eating and exactly how many calories that is, uh, is so key. That's why we really have shifted this narrative of talking about pounds of meat anymore. And really, I, I, I'm proud of this community, to be honest, where I don't really hear people talking about that anymore. And it's a big transition that's happened where uh, people are not really recommending you eating a certain number of pounds of meat a day anymore, mainly because the calories in that vary so drastically. Sure. This is the other second huge lever is how much are you eating? And you have to know that. And until you actually know, you don't know it. Are you under eating or are you overeating? And so that's why it's not fun. I don't like tracking, which is why I use the, how often am I eating lever 90% of the time, but it is important to know and, and tracking, um, can be very helpful just to see where you are. A lot of my clients are, some of them struggled with eating disorders in the past. And so they are, they tell me they don't want to track because one, either it was really annoying on keto or two, that it makes them really obsessive. And so we just talk about what should your plate look like or what should your day of eating look like generally. And then if you have an idea, then you'll know from there on some days, maybe you're under eating and some days you're overeating, but, and that's okay. On average, it's just figuring out at least consistently, I should eat a certain amount of food for my height and weight um, and to get to weight loss. And so I think it's important to have that idea from the very beginning of starting this way of eating. Yeah. And you mentioned using that uh, critical carnivores calorie tracker, because I can't really say like what a woman should be eating. Like I'm a really sedentary person. So like my calories are going to be different than somebody else's who's more active or just in a different weight and has different goals. So you really have to figure that out individually for yourself. Um, so I think that's kind of like step biggest lever number two to pull is like adjusting your calories uh, up or down, whatever that might need might be for you. I think then the next thing that to really look at is like, what exactly are you consuming? Uh, and that's kind of the third big piece to evaluate. Like, you know, you're fasting and is on track, you know, your calories are on track and you're still not losing weight. Like to me, this is the final layer to look at is like, what exactly are you eating outside of consistency, right? This is yes. strictly within the carnivore world. Um, and I think that there's some swaps that can be made. There's some better choices that can be made. The number one thing is if you're trying to lose weight and you're on carnivore, even though it's technically not carnivore, but people still consider it's cut out all alcohol. Like you just can't drink alcohol. Your body has to, every time you drink alcohol, you're, this is my simplest way to explain it. Your liver has to stop processing fat and then it has to burn out all the alcohol and then go back to processing fat again. So even one low or zero carb drink every night, you likely will stop losing weight completely enough, if not even gain. And even if you're doing it on the weekends or occasionally, you're still slowing down weight loss tremendously. And that's when, I mean, honestly, it's from a complete vanity perspective. It's why I don't drink at all is because it affects weight loss. And then I have to adjust what I'm eating the rest of the time. And I don't want to do that. And so, you know, that's the, that's a huge, huge piece. It's essentially alcohol has to be broken down to all aldehyde and it affects the liver and the liver has to break it down. And so if you drink a lot of alcohol, it can stall your weight because it your liver has to break down a different energy source and will always uh, break down alcohol first and then sugar and then protein and then fat. 
if you drink a lot of alcohol, it can actually suppress your appetite. So there's people that drink very often, and they will be on the leaner side, but it's because they're actually replacing their meals with alcohol. So you don't want to be doing that either. That's interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I remember too, I was like, I had like 100 pounds to lose. And I went on a business trip. And I was being really strict. And I was losing like, you know, weight every week, every time I did my little weigh in check in, I was losing weight. I was gone for a week, I had like a vodka diet soda every night on this Mm -hmm. business trip with like colleagues or something. And it wasn't even a lot. It was just a little I came home, I lost zero weight that week. I was like, never again. I'm never (laughs) drinking again. And it's been like in the last few years, it's been, you know, once in a while, like, once a year or a couple times a year, but it's just not worth it for me um, for that reason. So people have to kind of decide like what, where, if it's helping them or hurting them or if they care, but just be, you have to be aware of that. I have clients that are stalling in weight. And then later on, they'll tell me that they have a glass of wine every night and, or they have some type of drink every night. And that's likely why they're stalling. And then there's the other flip side where they drink a lot, a lot. um, And they're heavy drinkers and those people just don't have as much of an appetite for food in general. Yeah. I think we also talked too about cutting out some more of like the processed meats and the deli meats and stuff like that. But what's interesting is like when I cut out snacking, those things naturally get cut out. Like, am I eating too much yeah, cheese? Am I true. eating too many pepperonis? All the foods in carnivore, the pork rinds that tend to make me not lose weight are the snacky foods. And so it's interesting that when I'm cutting out this, I don't want to sit at my dinner table and eat pepperonis and cheese and pork rinds. Like that's the, what I get at 10 o'clock at night, um, watching TV or something. So when I cut out the snacking, a lot of those other foods that might be causing a stall for you, um, are likely included in that. Adding on to that, if you are struggling with finding satiety with your appetite, Um, you're always grazing. If you cut out the snacks, and then you cut out a lot of the processed foods, and then you just decide in this meal, I'm just going to have one type of meat. And then without the variety, eventually you get kind of bored of the meat. So let's say at lunch, you decide I'm just going to have beef. And then at dinner, I'm just going to have salmon. But essentially, if you have less of a variety, uh, your satiety cues will actually come faster. There was a discussion I had many years ago that talked about this, but it's if you eat only one type of meat, eventually whatever nutrition you needed from that specific cut or that type of animal will be met and then you don't want anymore. And so your body will say, oh, this doesn't sound as good. And so if you think about when you eat maybe just beef and you eat like two pounds the second pound probably doesn't taste as good as the first, and it might be your satiety cues telling you you're done. But if you think about, well, if I have a piece of bacon, well, that sounds good. And it's because you may be craving something else in that crisp, or it could be maybe the B1 in, in bacon. But if you are trying to lose weight, um, this is something I've always recommended is just stick to a certain cut and eat nothing else in that meal. And that's such a good idea if you find that you're overeating and you're trying to be able to like eat less or like you said, that's so so true because I mean, there's even that concept of like, you can eat until you're stuffed on like carbs and sugar. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm so full. I can't eat anymore. But like, then they bring out ice cream and you're like, oh, it's a different flavor. Like, or that salty and sweet, you're eating a bunch of something sweet and you're completely stuffed and done. But then there's those, you know, salty French fries that are sitting there. So 
I think the opposite is true. If you are somebody who's not eating enough, you've already calorie counted and you're seeing where you're at and you realize I can't eat enough in one sitting. Well, try adding a little bit of variety, like try adding a bacon to the side of your steak or to your chicken or something. Uh, If you're under eating, don't eat chicken because it's too lean. But I mean, adding some variety or taking it away is that's a really good point um, that I don't think I haven't really thought about before. Yeah. And then the other thing is obviously our macros, right? We talked about calories, but in terms of macros, I mean, I, for every gram of fat, um, it's about, I think it's nine calories, whereas every gram of protein is four. And so people like to lean on protein because the calories are less per gram and you can eat more food. And so if you consider just your satiety, your stretch receptors, you can eat a lot more protein and have much less calories and feel full. That is part of the reason why there is that trend towards lean protein. But for longevity, for long-term doing carnivore, a higher fat variety is a lot more ideal. Uh, we, If you think about ancestral eating, there's fat around the muscle meat, there's fat around the organs, there's a lot of fat. And our butchers cut off a lot of the fat when they give it to us. And I really think that adding higher fat um, seems scary at first, but you can play with your macros and then go into that calculator and look at the calories and play with some of the macros. But you really want to get to 65, 70% fat in terms of total calories. Your fat grams should then be higher than your protein grams. And for most of my clients that are eating this way long-term, eating the higher fat variety makes them feel more satiated and healthy. And what I look at again is hormones, thyroid, sleeping through the night, um, and just general wellness, or having just a ribeye, and you don't really need to add much fat to it, or having more egg yolks and not just the egg whites or having strips of bacon. And that way of eating, I've seen to be the most sustainable. And a ribeye naturally, like, I mean, obviously marbling, it's so hard to know with me because marbling changes yes. so much in the excess fat, but a typical ribeye is about 70% fat to calories, um, per, like percent to calories. So 70% fat and 30% protein, which is um, pretty ideal for, for what a lot of people need. Obviously they're more expensive, but if you look at something like 70, 30 ground beef, that's not a fat to protein ratio, right? So you're not actually getting it. That's not as, that's not the same. The 70, 30 ground beef is not the same as a, what I just said of a 70, 30 um, ribeye. Ground beef is extremely lean. Even if you most people drain the fat, but even if you don't drain the fat, ground beef is still really, really lean. And so those are things to mention as well. I will say this as a counter. There was a, a phase of people a while ago who were eating raw fat or like this really, really high fat. When Judy says high fat, she says she's talking like 70%. We're not going into like the 80, 90% that maybe you would use for healing, at that high level of fat of like 80 to 90% fat, most people don't feel actually full. Like I personally, I need volume of food in my stomach, especially in the beginning in order to feel full, which is why having something like higher protein was helpful, but to make it taste good. And then for that longer satiety after my meal, I like to incorporate that fat. I I tend to be in that 60 to 70% fat to protein ratio uh, is really my sweet spot. Any lower than that. And I really just don't enjoy my meals. Like sitting there eating any type of chicken or eat any type of lean beef without any added fat on it. Personally, I just don't feel um, a lot of enjoyment from it. And you can get to 80% fat, but if you eat the sufficient amount of proteins, 
your calorie consumption will be very high. And so the only way then to get to 80% is you would have to dramatically drop your protein. And that is not ideal. That's where I ended up with the more 70%. But some people may have to get to 80 just to be in ketosis. But again, they're either they have to sacrifice their protein, or they will eat a lot more calories. Yeah. And you know, I mean, as much as we say in the carnivore world, ketosis doesn't matter. I even said that earlier in this um, in this episode that we're recording, but for weight loss, like it kind of does matter more. It's not that you need these yeah. sky high ketones. So I think that was more the point I was trying to make earlier and I didn't say it well, but it's not that higher ketones isn't always necessarily the goal. Like you don't have to have these therapeutic level of, of ketones, but being in ketosis in general is effective for weight loss. And so if you kind of do have to be in ketosis, um, if you're wanting to lose weight, especially lose a lot of weight. If you're not eating carbs and your blood sugar is in the 80s and 90s, but your ketones aren't really there, it's only at 0.1 every morning, then you're not really tapping into glucose and you're not really tapping into your fatty acids. And if your energy is low, that's why. So you're going to have to switch your macros up and that's the best way you will feel more energy. If I wake up and I'm dragging one morning, I know that I didn't eat enough fat. And so I'll switch my lever and I'll eat more fat the next day to make sure that Um, I'm back in a higher state of ketosis. And it's not that like I track every day. I don't do that at all. But I can tell now being so many years into this way of eating. And I'm almost the opposite where like, if I'm in that same position, and I'm, um, my ketones aren't high enough, and my blood sugar is a little high, like, then I go, Oh, I need to take a break, I need to fast. Mm -hmm. Like, so rather than worrying about macros. So again, there's not a simple steps for this, but those are two huge things that you can vary because yes, the ketosis and the weight loss and those things are going to matter, but those are two very different levers that you can pull where Judy is going to adjust her, add more fat, uh, and she's going to adjust what she's eating. And I just, I want to adjust how often I'm eating. And so it's like, well, I'm going to skip lunch today and then let my body take a break and kind of build up some ketones. And then by dinner time, I'm going to be feeling great and like really uh, back feeling good. And then usually that carries over uh, for a few days. So it's not something I do, you know, every day at all, but it, that's my lever instead of, you know, Judy's is very different. Yeah. And I think the point is that we, when something isn't working and you're not feeling well, that should be your indication that something needs to change. And the change is normally not that you need carbs. I mean, it's not essential, but it might be something within the diet that needs to change. And it's just something to consider. I also think, like you just said, though, when you're looking to change something for weight loss, it is not usually this dramatic change. You don't need to be going from eating, you know, crazy lean pro. I'm not a big fan of these dramatic things where you're now doing like crazy amounts of fasting or you're eating extremely lean and like there's just you don't have to be this dramatic. There's usually something small, too much heavy cream, too many snacks, adjust your macro slightly give yourself some time and keep the consistency is really the key to the weight loss. Like really just pushing those, you know, pushing those goals a little slightly making adjustments. It goes back to your being consistent, but um, I want to bring up one more tip before we close, but weight loss, if you want true weight loss, um, it's taking that time and being consistent. I know we are in a society of quick wins, we want immediate results. But think about how many diets where they say there's immediate weight loss. And then most people in less than one year or two years, they gain most of their weight back. And so it doesn't matter if you lose weight in one year, but you gain it all back. And what you really want to find is that sustainability. And so when I see the fads of 
really lean protein or the PSMF and or to do the alternate day fasting very long term, I think of, you know, my measure is can you do this until you're the age of 90? And if you can't, you're going to have to find a lever that's more realistic that you can do on a day to day basis that will help you maintain your weight. And if you can't do it, with whatever you're using now, then it's probably not an ideal tool for the long term, maybe for you're getting ready for a wedding and you need a quick weight loss, maybe but otherwise, these, these tools are not that sustainable. And you just need to figure out what will make sense for you to keep the weight off long term. I was a very impatient person. I lost my weight very fast because I did things to that extreme level. And I often say like, I don't know if that was the right way or not, but it, I just like Judy said, it was not sustainable for me long-term and it's not something that I could keep up with. And now like being consistent all the time, like there's a time of the month where my body just like wants to lose weight. And it's the only time it's like the week after my cycle, my body's like, Oh, let's get rid of three or four pounds. And like, whew, and then it's the only time of the month. But if during my cycle, I was to be, like go off the rails and like have chocolate or have sweets or have something else, then I've kind of blown that like natural cycle that my body's going through where it's going to like hang on to some weight and then release a little bit. And so, you know, when you're, especially the closer you are to your goal weight, which let's not even, this is not the episode to say like, maybe you're trying to be thinner than what your body healthy wants to be. But you know, the less weight that you have to lose, obviously the harder it is to be able to do that. And so, you know, we have to just focus on that consistency. One last uh, tip I wanted to bring up is I think um, Amber O'Hearn and Siobhan Huggins brought this up a long time ago, but they mentioned that when you eat your first meal and you're cutting into the steak, they recommend actually trying to eat the fat first. So eat the fattiest cut so that your body thinks that the first energy source is fat. And then you can eat the leaner parts of the meat at the end or the uh, middle to end of your meal. And the reason is that if you eat protein first, and there's no fat on it, your body will then have to stimulate gluconeogenesis to break down the meat for energy. But if you eat chunks of fat or the fattier parts of your meat first. So if you think about the ribeye, eating the ribeye cap first and eating that area first, then your body will think more fats are coming in and it's a greater energy source. Um, They get satiety faster and they're more in a ketogenic state, but it's something worth trying. I think too, there's this other concept to with, so that's for the fat to protein lever is great. There's this old meme that I've shared a couple of times over the years that says like, you don't need gas every time you pass a gas station. So why do I need to eat food every single time I think about food? Like if you're trying to lose weight, there is this moment where it's not going to be like, you might be hungry and that's okay. And that hunger might come and it'll go. And like, if you're not feeling great and you're feeling nauseous or something, something that's obviously not good, but it's okay to tell yourself like, I, I have a goal that I'm trying to hit here and I'm going to do something difficult. And like, it, it's okay to not give yourself what it wants in every second. Like I really want chocolate. I really want these things. And like, just to, to try to push through that and to realize that you are stronger than your cravings and you are stronger than, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but the whole point is like, it's just, you don't have to give in to everything and it will be hard. It will be hard. Absolutely. It will be physically hard, but it doesn't mean that, um, it's, it's, you know, you can't do it. 
There's two things that come into play with that. One is the circadian rhythm of eating. So if you're used to snacking all the time, the right. first time you stop doing that, you're going to feel hungry all the time. The second reason is because you, the more insulin resistance you were, and remember with Dr. Arthur Agustin, the more beta cell dysfunction you have, the more you'll have all this insulin resistance. And when you're insulin resistant, you are naturally hungry. And it's normal that people are hungry if they're insulin resistant. But the best way to reduce insulin resistance is if you eat less or you have windows of not eating, then your insulin levels will come down. And so you have to, there will be a period where you have to fight through that, um, those cravings or that hunger, but it's really that your body is looking for energy sources and your insulin is too high. And so it makes you feel like you're hungry so that you'll go eat and then you'll, um, instead of using the fat stores on your body. Carnivore is an amazing tool for weight loss. I have lost a tremendous amount of weight with carnivore using some of the levers like fasting. And there's a lot of people who have lost a lot of weight um, with carnivore and utilizing some other tools and levers that we've talked about in this episode. It's just not going to, it's okay if it doesn't happen naturally. This like eat as much as you want, whenever you want and stop when you're full and you'll lose weight and your body's going to regulate itself naturally. I'm sorry, is, is not true for most people. And so I think it's important to use carnivore, but also utilize some of the other levers that we mentioned uh, if weight loss is your goal. Yes. If carnivore by itself isn't making you lose weight, then you may just need to use these tools that we mentioned. My body has changed a lot where I think I have a lot more muscle mass and I could see it in the way my clothes fit. I haven't necessarily lost weight on this way of eating, but my weight has maintained, my mental health has healed, but I definitely have um, added muscle mass to my body. Let's go back to healing. Let's have healing be your main focus, <laughs> but I get it. Trust me, I more than anybody know like where where our head is at when it comes to weight loss. And so it, it still is possible. You don't have to go to a juice fast or do something radical and crazy. Um, you can lose weight in a healthy way. And I do, I think carnivore is the way to do that. A lot of our weight gain is when we have insulin resistance and one of the best ways to have a low anti-inflammatory diet and also to reduce insulin is a meat-only carnivore diet. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>